Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia Casper-Cook and um, from World of Ink, which is really now Michigan Avenue Media, which it always was, and a good story is a good story. And we're going to be talking today about writing the best story you can. And I'm being joined today by a co-host, Marta, Marta Bishop, Marta Moran Bishop. Hi, Marta. Hi, Marsha. How are you? And thank you for I'm good, me and you're going to be starting your own show. So here you go. You're going to be starting <laughs> your own show. And so, yeah, right. so do me practice. <laughs> well, you've been on the show several times, okay? And we're going to have a really uh, new and interesting uh, gentleman to join us today, William P. Lazarus. He writes in multi-genre. And actually, on this show today, all three of us <laughs> write multi-genre. And um, we'll talk about how hard that is because that is hard you know but and how much fun that also is and uh, we have a lot of things that we're going to discuss I already have my pad of paper out to take notes because I always do and um, I think let's see tomorrow I just wanted to give a few little news tips um, Virginia Grenier will be doing a show tomorrow in the at 5 o'clock uh, her time I think it's 6 here and she's mountain time and uh, that'll be a good show she's coming back to do some shows, and uh, we did shows for years, but uh, she took a little hiatus, a long hiatus, <laughs> so we'll see if she stays for a longer time, but she's got a great show planned tomorrow, and let's see what we've got going here. Um, I think we'll just, okay, oh yeah, I think I, there's one, every every day I have a new little plan that I'm thinking of, but I think um, we used to do this a lot on Red River, and I did it when Virginia and I started with the children's book. We had people reading a chapter of their book, or they're reading uh, the entire children's book. So I think um, I've been thinking about this a lot, social media and how hard it is, and no matter what we do, selling books is so difficult. So I thought it might be good if guests will be able to now maybe in the next i think it'll both start in fall you know the fall, fall is like in about a few weeks but um that every, people that want to come on and read a chapter of their book i think we're going to do that because i think that gives people a sense of the kind of author that is writing the book and i think that will help sell books because i do think what's happening now is i've had shows for nine years but that doesn't mean that you're reading everybody's book and so I think this might be like a little preview of what their book is like, and then that may 
make you want to buy the book because it is difficult selling books because we're all in competition with millions and millions and millions of people on Amazon. So this might set you, you know, because you can also, if you're on the show, then you can also use the link and this will set you in a different place where at least people have heard your voice and I think that does matter a lot. Uh, I think they feel closer to the author once they hear them rather than just seeing them on Facebook or Instagram. So I think that's a new feature we'll be having. And before we do anything, I think, Marta, uh, I think it would be good if you tell everybody what your new plan is for your show so we can have you tell people what's in store for you. Okay, my show is going to be, it's called Chasing Entertainment. And it's going to be cover all aspects of everything that makes up entertainment from books, screenwriting, um, producing, narrating, acting, musicians, whatever will make up the story. And it's going to, um, as far as reading from when it's an author, I'm not planning on that. I am planning on having people answer questions as one of their characters. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. We, we tried that a few times. We've done that. I did one show that was like that on, uh, I think we did it. Actually, I think Delaney might have been uh, on that show, Delaney Oaks. I think we did that for Halloween. It was a lot of fun. And I think that's people, you know, that will. that's another way to get people to understand your characters and want to read more about them. So that's a good thing. Right. Whatever um, we could do. And the, yeah. Part of the reason <laughs> is, is people, if they're going to be reading from their books, they really should be practicing reading from the book it's hard because when they because when they get on the show i know half the time you don't understand what they're saying and i think they can lose lose people well even more so right right. but you know i when when i started with red river that was the first show i ever did which i didn't want to do i was afraid and that was like 10 years ago and um I was just supposed to read five minutes, and I was—I just kept reading it over and over. And I said, "Should I say this word or should I take this one out?" And while I'm reading, I'm editing out, but I did it, you know. And it was—it was a little scary, you know. So I think, but it also can be good. But you're absolutely right to practice it because, and those that have never done, you know, their own audio or whatever, it's not easy. You know, um, it is the breath you have to take is different, and it it really you're right about that because it does matter. So that's true. People should read it and also try to figure out how they're going to be able to talk about it while when they're reading it, because then it it makes the people that are listening want to do it. But if you're right, if they don't read it in the way it should be, no. And but the other thing is. The good news is sometimes when I read my own things out loud, I know where to put emphasis rather than sometimes even the person that does the audio might not know. So that's another thing. So, I mean, you're right. If people want to do it, I think just let me know. And you don't have to read a whole chapter, and you could read, you know, a few pages. But I do think, and what Marta says is true, just, you know, to rehearse it a little. And then just a couple of minutes in, in practice. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, whatever, that's absolutely whatever true. Whatever you're going to be reading. It's true. But, it, you know, even when I'm doing work now, I, when I, my own edit, I don't edit, but when I read it aloud, it helps me see 
what I'm missing. So I think it'll be fun. You know, we'll try that. And because uh, I'm looking for always new ideas. So if anybody has a new idea or a new thought that they want to talk about, because um, I think people out there, you know, we want change a lot. I do change every day. I make up some other thing that I've decided. I have an idea, my idea of the day. Mm-hmm. Some I do, some I do, and some I don't. All right, so. Uh, good luck to you for that, and you know I think you're going to do fine. And then it's Red River is a really nice network. It was started so long ago, but when Delaney took it over, it's really nice, and the shows are good, and uh, a lot of good hosts on that. So good luck to you for that. And oh, um, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure you're going to do fine. All right, so let's bring out William. Hi, William. How are Hello. you? Hello. Hi. It was thank nice you meeting you when me. I talked to you the first time. Um, so I think that maybe we could tell everybody a little bit about yourself, and you're the best one to do that. You have a lot going on, a lot of multi-different genre stories. So tell everybody what you do. Well, what I do is, is two things. <laughs> one is a lot of international freelancing. I work with an agent in New York who finds clients, and then people want books written or they want stories written or they want dissertations written or themes or whatever the case is, and they provide the material usually but I've had people say, I want to, for example, a gentleman had a pain clinic in Chicago and wanted a book on pain, dealing with pain, but he didn't supply a slightest bit of information. So I became an expert uh, in pain management. Right. <laughs> and I just yeah. finished one, eight, eight stories on arthritis. Uh, they're not all medical, of course, but this one happened yeah. to be eight stories on arthritis. I had another person who was applying to get into a acting school and had to mm-hmm. write her dissertation. She wrote it, but it was so bad that they wouldn't accept it. So she needed it rewritten. And I won't do her work for that. She has to do the research. But I'll yeah. help her organize it and so on because there's right. an ethical element there too. And yeah. so on. But those are the type of projects that I do. And then I do my own novels but and also nonfiction books simultaneously. So you're busy. Very busy. I, I like to be. <laughs> I, I've been writing since I was six or seven years old. And I decided when I was – I know I was – my dad was reading the newspaper, and I asked him what the names were in the newspaper. And he said, those are the names of the people who wrote the stories, the bylines. And uh, I said, wow, I'd like to do that. And that's all I've ever wanted to do from that point on. <laughs> but you have to teach yourself how to write because when you're six or seven, you don't know how to write. No. So that's what I did. Trust I me, I know that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and a lot of people think they know how to write, and they don't know how to write, and it takes time, you know. Um, it does, you know. It this doesn't, you know. I think I was try- explaining to uh, somebody the other day about when you write, you know. I think people really think you just sit down and it comes right out perfectly. It doesn't. It comes in to me. It comes in bits and pieces a lot of times, and uh, I think people actually do some, you know, not writers necessarily, but other people think, oh, you sit down and you sit at the computer and it just comes out perfect. <laughs> that is well, the reality is you can teach yeah. somebody to write in a relatively short period of time. There's some basic guidelines to follow, but in terms of actually writing, that takes the time because it's practice yeah. over and over again. But the actual basic rules connect everything, make sure that everything follows one after the other and so on. Those are basic guidelines that, that you, you can What are the guidelines? What, what, are the, what, 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 what do you tell somebody for guidelines? Uh, well, I tell somebody you, first mm-hmm. you have to follow grammar rules. And the reason you have to follow grammar rules is that's something we all agree to. So you learn yeah. the basic grammar rules. They don't have to be perfect, but you have to be, have the basic understanding because if you're not capitalizing letters or whatever where they need to be capitalized, you can confuse your reader. Of yeah. course, in poetry, this is a different matter. 
as we all know, they're Cummings and so on, didn't follow those rules. Nevertheless, the second thing is everything has to connect. Whatever you're doing, every sentence has to connect, every paragraph has to connect, the whole thing has to connect together so that there's an order to it and an organizational plan that somebody can follow what you're doing. So it's the combination of those two things. And then, of course, you want to make sure that you make it interesting in some manner, that you, don't, you assume your reader doesn't know. I always tell the, the, my students, your reader is not stupid, your reader is ignorant. And therefore, it's your job to explain so the reader understands what it is you're talking about. And if you combine those particular elements together, you're writing. And I have I taught writing for years and years in colleges, and I can teach almost anybody how to write in a matter of a couple minutes. It's just the practice of it, that's all. We spend the whole yeah. semester practicing. Okay. Practice. Well, that's what I, you know, after all these years, I think I'm still practicing. So that's, you know, <laughs> well, it's you know, how it goes. The faster you go, though, Mark. Yeah, what happens, that's Martha, true. The faster you go, in other words, when you don't have to look anymore, wait a minute, is this grammatically correct or does this sentence connect to that sentence? Because I'm automatically yeah. doing the transitions. Yeah. That, then the sp- you speed up and you're going much faster in terms of doing it. I'm, I type with one finger and I go 60 to 80 words a minute. Wow. Yeah, I was going Marta? to go on that's incredible. But they Marta, do you have any questions? I know Marta's sitting there, but I know she's got questions. Marta, go ahead. <laughs> I know. Actually, I've been, I um, am following you on Amazon and on your blog now and on your author page on Facebook, by the way. I just oh, okay, did all you. of that. But I found it very interesting how many things in reading your biography you and I have in common. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is really I think it's true with a lot of writers, though, because one of the things we have to do is learn a lot, because if you're going to put it down in writing, you have to know something of what you're well, writing about. <laughs> you get educated. Well, to some degree, yes, yep. but there's things like I started writing it around six years old. Okay. <laughs> um, I was a um, religious, a major in learning religion. Oh, okay. religions. Different religions. They need to know I'm a um, religious historian. That's that's part of that. Well, that, that was one of my majors. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is a drag racer. Oh. <laughs> yes, I've written about NASCAR too. Yes. <laughs> and I I write some science fiction and fantasy. So I'm sitting there looking at your books also. <laughs> And going, wow, you know, I could there's I could get one of these books for my husband on the NASCAR or his son for Christmas, you know. And I certainly would like to read the Time Warp series, but it's it's like what made you decide to get into learning comparative religion? When I was again, I was very young at the time and I asked my father a question about Abraham because we had just started mm-hmm. Sunday school. My father was Orthodox mm-hmm. Jewish. My mother was Christian scientist. And, of course, he was no longer wow. Orthodox Jewish. <laughs> that is a, a mixture. Okay. Yeah. That is, so, I, that, yeah. Right. Really. That. so I asked him about Abraham. I don't remember the question. He gave me a Bible to read. And you were six or seven trying to read a Bible. Forget that. But I, I tried. And then I had more questions, and he had more books. Um, he never answered any questions. He just gave me books to read. So by the time I was 13, I was already considered a religious historian. I was already teaching Sunday school. 
and continued on through college. Uh, my first, where as a journalism major, you, you're only allowed to take a quarter of your classes in journalism. The other, uh, the other 75% basically are electives, and so I would always sign up for whatever religious history class they had. So this is at Kent State University, and they only had two, so I took both of them. And the first day I asked the professor a question. He said, I need to talk to you after class. And I said, okay. And he said, after class, he said, look, I'm a philosophy professor. I don't know a thing about the Bible. I've never even looked at it. Would you be as kind to teach the class? So wow. I ended up teaching the class. And I had a wonderful time. Wow. And then I continued teaching on uh, both at Stetson University and their continuing education program, as well as other places. And I, and I, of course, written multiple books on religious history at the same time, including one of the Dummy Series books. Comparative religion for dummies. Which yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one out there. I saw that one. You know, mm-hmm. along. I mean, you do have so many different genres. It's so interesting because you know, it's it's tough to write in a lot of different. You know, but I see now from your upbringing, you've had a lot of things going on in your life where you could write multi. I think that's important though, because even in the in the regular fiction that I do, there's usually a religious element into it. And the last book I did, uh, Revelation, is takes place in the first century uh, CE, where the uh, protagonist is introduced to the fledgling Christianity. And it's historically accurate uh, in terms of what happened at the time period, although the character himself is not accurate. So you're able to follow his growth into faith through that process. Well, if you're writing, right, I, you know, you have to be accurate. You know, it's like anything historical. If you're not accurate, you will get readers that will not be happy with you because that they look for true. that. They do. I, I remember reading one of the books. Somebody wrote a book about Judas, and it could have taken place in any year at any time with just a bunch of dialogue. And it was actually a prominent book at its time. And I thought, this is crazy. Why would you not include, if they're eating, what proper food are they eating? How are they dressed? What are they, you know, yeah. what are they aware of at the time period that makes it appropriate? Uh, the first full-length novel I did was called The Unauthorized Biography of Nostradamus. It's been re-released as The Great Seer Nostradamus Tells All. And it follows him through his life. It's imaginary life because it's hard to have an, an unauthorized biography of somebody who's been dead since the 1500s. But nevertheless... Um, it's his life, and it's historically accurate. What happens, the people he meets, the things he eats, the things that go on are historically accurate, even though it's all comical in his behavior. Yeah, right, right. Well, people do like to know that. I mean, they really do. They're, they're you know, um, curious. And, um, and my wife's, my yeah. wife's a, a medieval scholar, so I have plenty of material to draw on. You must have some oh, very interesting conversations, my goodness. I mean, you've got a lot going on in your house. Uh, it's you a don't lot get of bored. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, well, because I can only sit down and work on a book, and I, of course, I never know when the agents are going to call with a different project. I just did eight, eight stories on arthritis. Well, wow. <laughs> for a, I mean, yeah, for because it, well, you know, that's the thing, you know, and I do think uh, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the books are written by ghostwriting. You know, and oh, they, absolutely. Yeah. They don't know that because, you know, sometimes when you see a book, oh, what a great job they did. But, well, they came up with the idea, but they really didn't write the book. But they take the credit a lot of times because that's how it goes. You know, um, is your, do they, does your name get, you know, put on or do they use their own no. name? or? No, it does no. not get put on. And, right. 
Uh, I'm not sure how many of these books are published in a, a conventional sense, simply because what happens is when you write the book and you give it back to the person, and they say, oh, we really like it, and they say, let's change this, let's, and by the time they're done, because they have their own vision, of course, by the time they're done, it's absolutely unpublishable because that was the problem in the first place. They didn't know what they were doing, and yeah. then they go ahead and do it. But let me tell you my favorite story, though. This is a okay. gentleman who is in New York who was running a social service agency, and he wanted a, a novel written about his life because the agency was fined more money than any other agency in New York history, and he wanted to blame somebody else for the problem. So I wrote the novel and using you know, my imagination of what happened with his basic outline. And then he said, now I want to do a, a nonfiction management book to show I'm a great manager, and I want you to use the stories that were in the novel as the base. Hey. So, so he wrote a bet. management book Whoa. based on my imagination. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that my gosh. Well, that's, you know, I mean, because, you know, honestly, it's not surprising. You know, it's like I told this story, I think it was last week or the week before, that, you know, you don't really know what's in somebody, what they think a lot of times. And when you hear requests of people or even in reviews, people will write things that are unusual, you know, um, and um, I have a dog in one of my books, which is uh, It's Never Too Late for Love, and the dog talks, and it's uh, – a cavalier, and a woman wrote a review about the book, but not really. She didn't like my dog as well as she liked her own dog. <laughs> because <laughs> my character was not, my dog character was not as nice as her dog is. So I, it's unbelievable, but true. So, I mean, people do, when they're reading they or thinking of things, they do think of it in a different way than you might or I might or, Marta, you know, any of us do. Because some of the comments that come out of people about this, I mean, these are characters that we make up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, which takes, well, you know, I mean, you, know it, you know how long it took me to get over the fact that every character I wrote wasn't me? When I was writing screenplays, it was like I wrote under a man's name because I thought, oh, I don't know if I could do this. And because, you know, at that time, men, you know, um, it was easier for a man to get a script scene than a woman. And um, just they were looking for the leads. But the lead, you know, it didn't matter. But most of the leads were men. You know, now there's tons of women out there. But mm-hmm. it's always interesting to... See, because some writers, you do have to get over that a lot of times. Even when I wrote uh, romance novels, a sexier one, I it was difficult at first uh, writing sex scenes because it's you putting yourself in there, but it's not you; it's the character. But when people end up thinking that these characters are maybe you or real or whatever, that you know that gets a little intense. <laughs> so that you got to get over that, and a lot of people don't get over that as easy, you know. Because you have to be well, careful sometimes. I, I agree with you, but I didn't have that problem. And the reason I didn't is because I was, came out of journalism. And in journalism, you're not in the story. You, you are writing about the I wrote, I wrote public inter, the, the uh, interest stories, the human interest stories, not the news stories. So I was writing about somebody, and I was never in the story. So as right. a result, when I started doing novels, it was much easier to separate myself from them. Right, and I that, I tried very that, hard true. to not include myself in anything exactly. because 
I was thinking in terms of Shakespeare when somebody said, well, what, what religion was Shakespeare? And you know from reading his books, you can't tell whether he was, Prote- whether he was Protestant or yeah. Catholic. Yeah. And so well, on. I, I, and I do like agree that. with that. You know, right, I agree with that. I do not, and I've written tons of characters because I write a little lot of characters, even in my screenplays. None of them are me. It's just people I actually make up. But it, you're right, and in journalism, I remember when I was in journalism and I was explaining that I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to do fiction, they go, well, this isn't going to help you as much as you think because if you're writing about a news story, this is nothing, you know, it's completely different, and it is different. But, right. you know, and now I think people do mix both. So things have Sadly. changed that way, you know, and sometimes, you know, when I had clients, I would say to them, be careful what you write and don't put names in because you don't want to get sued. You know, I mean, I think people think if they're writing fiction that they can't get sued, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. You just can't no, write whatever recognizable, you want. If somebody's recognizable, you can't do yes. that. Yeah, Absolutely. and they use the name. I, I had clients that I go, I don't think this is a good thing. You need to make up a name. Don't use the name of the person because you can get I'm, sued. Yeah, I'm doing a book for a fellow who spent uh, almost a year in jail, which he's convinced he's innocent. He's not. He was guilty, but that's not the point. Uh, he right. wants to tell people about his terrible experience, and he wanted to use people's names, and he wanted to attack the lawyers for not defending him properly and so on. I said, you can't. There's yeah. a thing called libel, and you cannot <laughs> yeah. do that. You, we have to change all the names, and we have to make it clear you're not talking about the same people. So if they were male, they became female. Yeah. If they were, uh, the names were completely different, their behavior was different, you just could not do that. If you did it otherwise, you're going to be sued. Yeah. He could not understand that at all. And that includes the yeah. guards' names and everybody else. You just cannot do that. Yeah. I, I think that's a hard thing for people to understand, but it is really true. You know, mm-hmm. it's fiction, but it's not fiction if it's a, if you can recognize the person. Or exactly. some people just use the name. Yeah, I agree. Well, I've used the names of somebody I know when it was an innocuous position. They weren't doing anything. There was nothing at all. Because I think, and I've told them. And, that, and to make sure they didn't have a problem with it. But then again, given the fact that we, the average book sells 100 copies, I'm not sure it makes any difference one way or the other. Yeah. I, I'm, I've used people's names, but you know their first names, but not as them. Right. Just okay. The name. So that's right. Right. Just so. Well, you yeah, know, in a different right. context. In your yeah, head. Of course, it's not yeah. the same context. Absolutely. No. No. You know. So. Um, I, and the people did know that I did it. They, when they read the book, they were like, oh, my God, my name's in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't them. It wasn't anything to do with what they do as, if you're living. It had nothing to right. do with anything about them. Yeah, because so a lot I, of times they're combos, right? I mean, isn't, don't you write like a oh, combination? Sure. I mean, you make up a person, but you also put in different, you know, features, different ideas. You know, they don't, you know. You're not writing directly about the person. I mean, maybe that's the person how they see themselves. (laughs) Maybe they see themselves. (laughs) Yeah, I used to have a lot of clients. They'd write, they'd use their own name. I'd go, are you kidding me? (laughs) Do you think you you need to? And then I would say, is that you in the book? And they go, well, like, yeah. I go, well, I'm telling you, I can see this as you, but, you know, and, uh, it was so funny because I I would recognize them because they were making these characters like them. Well, let me tell you about another story. I, I, did. I was I I actually my husband and I actually were in one of my books and it won an award. 
But um, you, you, our names, you knew you were saying we that. Were. That's different. Right. But yeah. we were, but it's a story about our rescue horse told from his point of view. Right. So well, you're there. It's a story you're telling a real story, right. then, and so yeah. on. It just you fictionalized it. I understand, but I did yeah. one for a fella who uh, wanted a fiction account of something, and I wrote it in fiction. And he got mad at us because he said it wasn't what happened, and we said it's <laughs> a novel. It's of course not what happened. It's the yeah. ult- the concept of what went on, not the actual events. Oh no, it's not exact. I don't want it. And you're like. <laughs> this isn't a novel. Uh, well, like, you know, when I, when I, right, when I wrote To Life, which is a um, Holocaust survivor's true story, memoir, her story, not mine. And I yeah. went to her house every day, and I've said this many times before, I went to her house every day and I took notes. And then when the story was over, it was all approved by her because it was not my story at all, and mm-hmm. I'd made up nothing. And so, well, I made one thing. Somebody had a cigarette in their hand, and that's all. Okay, so somebody had written, there are a couple of reviews on the book that are not favorable. They didn't like Sala, the, the, you know, Sala Lewis, who the book was about. But this is her story. I can't mm-hmm. change what she wants, you know, because it was up to her to decide what she wanted in the book and what she didn't. And when I, I actually read her the book to, so she could listen to the whole entire story. So... I wouldn't put anything she didn't want, but if somebody leaves a review about they didn't like her, that's, I can't change that. And, and some reviews said that I didn't tell the right story. Um, if it was a true story, I should have been had better facts. Well, anybody that realizes that 11 and 12 year old child, she was a child at that time in the Holocaust, those are her facts, not mine. And so I think that people don't understand sometimes, but it's a nonfiction book, and that's her story. If they don't like the story about what she did, you can't change what she did. You know, and that's what I think people don't understand sometimes when they're reading a book. If it's a true story, it is what it is. You know, and you can't change the way history was, even though we'd like to sometimes it's not even changing the history it's that if you get five people you're going to get six different versions of what happened right exactly in the holocaust yes and when they were young yes that's for sure any event that's really horrific everybody sees it in a different light and so you're never going when you're 11 and 12 satisfied every you're never going to be able to satisfy any everybody um on whether or not the facts are the facts, they're the facts for that person. Exactly. They're, I think William, you were saying something facts. before when we got when we started the show. I think before <laughs> you were talking about something like that, um, about the truth and facts. And you, what you said, you said something about book reviews when we were talking before yes. the show. Do you want to talk about that a minute? Because that's well, an interesting it's, it, concept. Well, it is difficult to get somebody to do a book review. I had somebody who reviewed one of the books, said it was a wonderful science fiction story, and it's not science fiction. It takes place in 1876. Um, <laughs> and I just found that absolutely hysterical. Because um, <laughs> right. it's not possible. But I, I've given up in terms of trying to figure out why people say what they say or in, in terms of reviews. Damn. A lot of folks, when they're doing a review, aren't writing in the conventional sense of a review, they're writing for somebody that, they, that maybe the author, maybe a friend or whatever, and they're not thinking of it in the same way as we would think 
reviewing a book like a book reviewer would do. They're just yeah. their own comments and so on. And the views you were just saying, Marta, is absolutely correct. I was at the Kent State shootings, and they've done a lot of material on the shootings and so on. And my perspective, what I saw and what happened, is very different from what other people saw and what, right. what happened. Yeah. And I think yeah. I'm accurate. They think they're accurate, and we're probably both accurate. Right. Or all right. Accurate. right. It is because everybody sees it differently. But, you know, you can't really question it. If somebody wrote their memoir, that's what they that's what they felt and thought, yeah. you know. Uh, I did one on World what, War II in the same way, uh, yeah. a woman who had yeah. survived from the German side. Uh, she yeah. had been in East Prussia and had to flee the Russians. And she wrote about her experience, and she gave me a draft of it, and it was – was this Jeremiah of how terrible things were and so on. I said, nobody's going to be interested in this. And she said, I know. Yeah. Um, so she asked me to write it over, and I wrote it with novelistic ideas. That is, I expanded a little bit in different areas with her understanding yeah. what we were doing, her feelings yeah. and things like that at the time. But she was 12 years old. And so her views of what happened and her feelings of what happened do not reflect the reality of what was going on. They can't. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's true because, you know, when I wrote the story, I wanted to add – some factual and, you know, a lot of things that she didn't want to add, so we didn't add it. She said because it didn't have to do with what she, you know, what she knew at the time because she was very Mm -hmm. young. She didn't know about what was going on outside of the concentration camp. So, but I would have liked to do that, but it was her story, so I didn't, you know. But uh, I thought it, it would be good to explain what else was happening except right but it was just her memoir. So, I mean, yeah, right, that's what happens. You know, if sure. it is a story like that, you have to have permission to change it if you, you know, if you have to have the author even, you know, you just don't want to do that to somebody, especially if it's a memoir, or, you know, that you're going to change what they say. So everything no, that of course I not. wrote wasn't, no. right. So that So I am confident, she's gone now, but I'm confident in everything I wrote was what how she saw it. Not mm-hmm. me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But right. when you're asking a reviewer to understand that, it's yeah, almost it's impossible. Difficult. Because you can't go around with each person. That's one of the things they taught. They asked me if I read newspaper stories after they appeared, and I said no. Because I can't go around to every person who read that story and say, wait a minute, yep. what I really meant to say was, or this, the copy editor made a mistake. <laughs> I or know. Nothing of that I know. Nature. There's yeah, nothing that, I could true. do about it. That's true. I know. I know because that that is true because you don't do that and you know but everybody does you know look and say how many reviews you have and it is that's really it's very I think that's one of the toughest parts for people to realize that they're not having 300 reviews and I as many times as I've done the show as many times as I've been writing I cannot understand how people possibly get three four five hundred reviews you know sometimes I, they write their own. I don't, I don't know if you names. can do that on Amazon, though. I mean, well, you can Amazon. if you do it through a different computer. For example, yeah, I had a friend who wrote stories yeah. who wrote a story about my book that she she had read, and she really liked it, but she didn't know how to write it. So I wrote the I wrote the review for her so she could yeah. in her what she thought. I didn't change her feelings at all. Right, but I wrote right. it for her, yeah. so it was coherent. And then right. she put it yeah. on, and yeah. I am and but we you, we have gone to, to restaurants have a and stuff. Person who's doing it. Right, but you've yeah. seen a lot of these reviews. You've seen on restaurants and everything of that nature, and yeah. a lot of them are written by the people themselves about how yeah. wonderful it is and how great it is, <laughs> even if it isn't, because they've know, written it right. themselves. <laughs> right, I know. This is, uh, this is the world we live in now. We yeah. don't know what's true Back and what's not. So, yeah. 
<laughs> as far as reviews, can I, may I say something about reviews? Yes, of course. Sure, Marla. You're up. You um, are definitely up. I don't pay any attention to one or two star reviews on anybody's books. Yeah. If I'm looking at them, because first of all, one-star reviews and generally two-star reviews are more about the person writing the view, review than they are about the book. Yeah. yeah. I get um, that. You can, I see. I mean, the first yeah. book that I published, had published um, through, I, it's now through a different publisher, but... It's called We Three, A Mother's Love and Verse, and it started, my grandmother started these little poems in the 1930s about her kids and different things they were doing, and it's all from the child's, the way the child looks at it, and I took these poems, and I expanded almost all of them, and I added a few more. So right. what was three lines turned into 15 lines, you know, right. et cetera. But I published it, and I did a Goodreads giveaway. And this woman on Goodreads, um, she, for some reason or other, she always won. I don't know why, but she always did. And she gave it a one-star review. And she said, um, it's because she couldn't relate. I know. That's, that's yeah. She it's couldn't so find the child yeah. within her. She couldn't it's, find it's, that child within her and relate. And, and you know, the review didn't bother me. I kind of laughed because this wasn't about the book. Right. No, and you're was, right. I mean, and that's and, the whole thing. Yeah. Right. You're right. It, 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 this is, well, what, it, as hard as it is, and, they, and Amazon is taking people off of re, people's reviews off, which they're taking the wrong people off because I have, no, you know, they are, they made a decision, Al Gore, you know, in a, I don't know. I mean, they made a decision, let's just put it this way. They made a decision, which I don't really think is all that good for anybody because they've taken off reviews thinking I might know somebody or you might know somebody or this one or that one. I haven't had that too much because I really don't know who's reviewing most of my books. But they've taken people off for no reason, you know, and oh, yeah. just because it's, it's ridiculous. It's probably I've no had apparent reason. T- taken down. I've had um, some of my reviews re- refused because they say you must know that person, even though I don't uh, that's know. An, that's not right at all. I don't know how. There's no way you could stop that because they're doing it, but I, that's not right at all. It just isn't. And you then start somewhere with reviews. You got to ask a friend or whatever to please if they're yeah. gonna, if they're going to read it. Well, they don't want that. Up. But they but they do. I yeah. Know. But sometimes they're not pulling them off. They're pulling off a reviewer. That's a reviewer. They pull it off. You know. Right. And it, I don't know. There's no way we could stop that. The algorithms, no. whatever, anything that people don't know about, they just go, oh, the algorithms. This is what they say for everything. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. It's, you know, because we don't really understand what all that means because you, all you know, and, you know, it's really weird because, like today, I put, I'm posting for the show, and then it goes on Facebook. It says, you haven't posted anything in a long time. Why? You know, and, you, and I'm thinking, like, what are they talking about? I'm posting constantly. But I, then I'm, I'm realizing some of the stuff just doesn't get on my – that I'm posting. It, I don't know where it goes because I'm looking, like, why isn't it on? You know, and that's another thing. 
you got to go back in, which I don't always do, and look and see if every post that I posted somewhere is on. Because they're that's, making that's the choice. Yeah. I post a lot of blogs on religious history. And I'll get commentary because on the blog site, it tells you how many people were coming, if there were, if people had questions and, you know, their posts yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So I know I've gotten, I know it's on. I know that people have seen it in yeah. that regard. Well, a lot of times now people don't comment because they don't want to get on a mailing list. They don't want to, anybody know they even saw it or looked at it. Or, so, you know, everything people see right now, it the author just has to take lightly. You know, I mean, Fortunately, I started in a time where I got rejection letters, so I am beyond worried if I get a rejection. <laughs> but <laughs> for people that have just started, they're independently publishing themselves, and they don't know the business that that you know they don't know it that well. They don't get that they could be rejected. You know, and well, if you're if publishing it yourself, there's no rejection. You just go ahead right, and do so it. Right, so that's right, right. But and I, and, when and I started, sure there was well. no such thing. We didn't self-publish. No, we all we, started in the same type of situation. I have. Yes. I used to collect rejection letters. I had some wonderful I rejection them. letters. Actually. I still have no, them. I still have them. I finally threw them out. They weren't, they were, I could have papered the wall, but I said that's kind of silly. But the the rea- the reality <laughs> is that you just in journalism, you have the same thing because somebody yeah. reads a story and says, I don't like your story. And you're like, okay, fine. Uh, because okay. that's the way it is. You're putting something out for you're you're really very exposed, putting yourself out there and yeah, doing things. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to get a little hard skin about that. If somebody doesn't like it. I told you a story before with James Michener, uh, when somebody complained. He was at Kent State because he wrote a book, Kent State: What Happened and Why. Uh, the only thing accurate in there is the words Kent State. But nevertheless, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he he uh, he got up and he was answering questions from students. And, they, and somebody said, I don't like your book because it's not accurate. And he said, it doesn't matter. It only cost me 19 cents. Don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a, that's the other thing. You know, nobody's making anybody buy anything. So I think that, you know, there's so many things going on now to discourage a writer. But this is why I have the show, not to, dis- you know, so people just continue writing. You know, and you really do have to get thicker skin because you really can't, you know, and, you can't believe everything someone says all the time. And if somebody doesn't like your book, then they don't like it. That's okay. You know, that's I mean, let them, they won't read anything <laughs> else you've written. So, I mean, we're, most authors are okay. And that's why I feel, well, I feel kind of bad a lot of times when I know that some people that were very good writers, they left writing because they got a few bad reviews and they were good writers and, and they just couldn't take it. So that's a shame to lose. Well, writers. the problem with most of us is if if you are a writer, it's a compulsion. It's no different than doing art or dance or music or something. Yeah. You just yeah. really need right. to do it. I yeah. am not. If I don't write something for two or three days, I get really anxious. Yeah. I'll write letters. I'll do anything just to write. It just has to be done. And yeah. if it ends up in a story, even better. I mean, I usually start yeah. a story thinking I have enough for you know mental idea for. You know, a few pages and see how it goes. And yep. The next thing I know, I have forty thousand words. Yeah. Because it just keeps expanding. Yeah. yeah. You just have to let it go. You know, and you just yeah, can't. Whatever, you can't inhibit goes, it goes. yourself. I, I think you really can't inhibit yourself because once you do that, then you're really not a writer because you you know there's so much going on in the world. You have to be able to gather your thoughts and write 
a book and write the best story that you can, which is what you know I kind of named this show today. Because write the best story you can. Don't write like the guy that you know is a bestseller. You write what you write. You know, because when that guy started, they didn't know his book was going to be a bestseller or woman. You know, you just don't know, and you don't know which book is going to really be a hot book. Nobody knows. So I think, you know, what I'm telling people now, which I'm absolutely trying to follow my own advice, is write more because I always wrote more than I do now because I'm shows and social media and all of that. It's It does overtake an author. So I think... You know, for people listening, just write more. Social media well, is you, okay. Write whenever you can. Yes. I used to write yeah. between classes. I'd come yeah. back to class, I'd have 15 minutes, and I'd write for 10 of those minutes on whatever book I was working on. And actually, I yeah. think they worked out better because you had to concentrate. But a lot of folks sit down with outlines and everything else, and I understand that. But if I did that, I'd be so bored because I know where the story is going. Yeah, I don't I do it either. Do I don't do it either. I don't have an outline either. You're right. I don't either. I just you start know, with I an idea, and right. and off it goes, and the characters dictate where they're going to go and what they can do. And I had one person said, boy, there's a lot of twists and turns. How did you think of that? And I said, I didn't. Right. <laughs> it's just that happens. It, it comes. Right, it comes. That's why I said before, it comes in bits and pieces. It doesn't come all at once. Because I, I write a lot of things longhand because my brain thinks better when I'm writing longhand. Uh, and then when I get to the computer, it comes out a different way. But at least I know like where I might be going, where I'm not going to sit and look at the screen and wonder where I'm going. I already know because I've written it. You mentioned something about letters. So do you use le- – I mean, I like letters – for, to get to know a character better. What are you, when you say letters, are you writing letters like from a, a book you might do or just friends? Are nope. you writing just letters? Uh, I'll write letters. to friends, but I, in there I might talk about a book I'm thinking of and ask for an opinion. I don't really care what they think, but I, I would like, you know, <laughs> it gives me a chance to express a thought because I'll have people say, what a great idea, and I'll look at it later and say, no, this is really bad. This will never work, yeah. and yeah. so on. Yeah. But I, it's a way of, of just communicating because today, Picking up the phone, I mean, I still call people because I think yeah. it's important to talk to them, but a lot of folks, yeah, I do too. it's yeah. all social media, it's all texting on phone, and you're not really communicating with somebody. And so I'm, I'm the old-fashioned type. I still write letters to people. Uh, I used to write anywhere from 50 to 60 letters a week to people wow. around the world that I wow. had contact with. We, My wife and I hosted international students for many years so oh, that we had people all over the world that we could write to and keep up to date with. and and things of that nature. Today, that's of course, it's emails, but they're full yeah. letters. I, I don't write just anything. I write, you know, what's going on in the world and what's happening and my thoughts and, and things. like they're, they're regular letters. I had one person who called me up and said, I've never received letters like this. People don't do this anymore. And I said, I yeah, can't well, you know, it. It's I, and, just what I do. Right. And most of the people that have been on my shows know that I do talk to them on the phone first because I like to see what they're about, not just, what I see on Amazon or on Facebook, I just like to know, you know, a little bit, which I talk to you, you know that. I mean, I like to talk Mm -hmm. to people just to see, you know, how we can connect and, you know, what they're going to talk about on the show because I don't have um, questions for the last nine years. So I just, but I like to talk to the person so I understand them somewhat, you know, before they come on the show. And sometimes I you know, if they're out of town, I don't reach them, but I prefer to talk to them. And sometimes I think people, when I say to them, 
call me, we'll pick a date after the show. They don't call me. So mm-hmm. so then they're probably not going to be on the show. I mean, I want to know about them because I want them to either fit with by themselves or fit with a group of people so they don't feel uncomfortable because this is not that easy for people. Because I, like I said before, I remember when I even had to read for my first show, just a you know, a few pages was hard. So I think, you know, we can all agree that it's not all that easy to just get on a show. So I think I want to put them in the right place. If they don't feel comfortable, I'm not going to have them for one hour alone when they might be too nervous. Well, the fun part for me is I did radio shows for years. Uh, My first wife and I did a, a Dickerson routine where we would dicker on the air. Oh, that's we good. He said, she said. He, yeah, he said, she from, said. At 6 a.m. Yeah. And uh, we, had, we had fake guests on, and we had a wonderful time until Don Imus was the morning DJ got uh, mad yeah. at us. Yeah. He was being paid much oh. more because yeah, um, I might say. he couldn't do his own show because people were still calling in about our show. So really? he got oh, really good. mad, and management said we can't continue that way. So that took care of that. <laughs> But I've done radio shows on <laughs> uh, religious history. I've done radio shows on lots of different topics. So for yeah. me, this is fun to just get back right. on again. I miss the radio, the studios, where you're in there yeah. and you're having people calling in and you're dealing with somebody you're directly looking at and carrying on conversations. Right. Well, we I, we have an open chat, which doesn't we don't chat that much. Most of the people these days are really busy, so on demand is really what happens a lot. You know, when I first sure. started, there was much more chatting on in the chat room, and now Blog Talk has made it easier to be in the chat room. For a couple of years, it was very difficult to have a good chat, but now the chat room is open really well. But people aren't really chatting as much, and uh, because of some callers that have not been really nice there's been sometimes i don't answer the phone uh we used to have that a lot i like an open chat and i like when people were calling in but some people choose to call and say things that aren't that nice and if you're by yourself as unless you have somebody with you doing the show you're answering on and this is a live show so it's not always in the best taste of some of the callers so that's, that's why we had to stop for in. a while yeah. That's where engineers come in. We always had somebody screen the calls. There was you well, can't we, right. rely we started, on When I did Red River, we had two people, and Marta knows that because mm-hmm. Marta, you're having someone with you, right, to do the show. I uh, not so far. I haven't found anybody. It's very hard. See, that's the thing. Right, that's the problem. People, you know, when I started Red River nine years ago, we had a host and we had somebody else that would take the calls, and that's how I met Virginia Grenier. She did my calls for me, and um, she just had a baby at that time, and so she just wanted to get back out there. And then we became partners after that. Uh, She's in Utah, and then we did shows together, and we did them alone, and we had other people doing them when we started our own after Red River. But it, it is hard, you know, to answer calls and be on the line and make sure that the call is not bad. So that's why it got you know, it was it changed for me, not being have, having someone to answer the calls, and so we don't offer. You know, wait, it, blog talk lets you have as many people as you want on, and I love that, but we haven't done it in a while. I'd like to start that again, but um, you have to have two people 
to do that. You're right, yep, engineering on that. It's very yeah, difficult. You absolutely, yeah, you have, you have to monitor the calls. Unfortunately, yeah. we even on the religious history calls where we were having very serious discussions about research and things of that nature, you'd have yeah. somebody call in with something totally disrespectful and totally inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if there's somebody else to monitor and go, there was. This is a regular radio you know, show, right. so it was much. Yeah, and we have we have buttons here. You know, Blog Talk is great because you have you can mute people, you can do whatever you want. I mean, they the setup is like you're you know in a whole show. You know, it's mm-hmm. all set up for a lot of callers, but I, it, that's what's been difficult, I think, for people doing shows now. When you're producing them, it's very difficult to be able to monitor a call which is what happens so then you just don't take calls but you know i mean i know people have said you know on my show well what if you have some time that's open and there's open air space i go well i don't think i've ever had that yet so we've you know because i know the people that are coming on the show by what they do and who they are and then we just have fun you know so i think this is a good medium for people to really get out there you know be on a podcast you know, because it really, uh, Google is very favorable for podcasts because as soon as you put it out, it's all over the place. Marta, you know that too with a podcast. I do. It I comes right out. The radio shows, you were, you were dependent totally on whatever listening audience you had at the time yeah. period. Well, Blog Talk has advanced so in the last nine years. We're, all our shows are on iTunes, you know, and there's a lot of, avenues that they put you out in which we didn't have oh, when we wonderful. first started yeah they do yeah they're very good that way you know and um that's why the studio everything is it's pretty good now i mean you know there were issues at the beginning but that was a long time ago you know and well, so now technology what today yeah Marcia, the technology right. my goodness great just our conversation right now is an example of that and i've yep. seen it because i was sitting in the newsroom and i started off with a typewriter in a newsroom, yep. and then they brought in computers, and the computers were simple and, and very difficult to work with. And the next thing I knew, they are fluid, easy to work with. Everything's being yep. done. You're getting ready to print rooms. Yep. The pagination is all done electronically yep. and everything else. And you, you just learned it. It naturally progressed as you went along, and the progress is phenomenal in terms of that. And I don't even can't even imagine what a newsroom today is like. Yeah. I haven't been in one for a but, while, so. Yeah, everything. Look at everything has changed now. So, all right, Marita, what? Well, who are your first guests? My show? first guests are going to be Delaney Oaks and Karen Vaughn, and we're going to That's be talking fun. about. Uh, it will be fun. Romance, murder, suspense, <laughs> and thrillers. Thrillers. Okay, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> this is good. You, you got them all in. <laughs> Well, murder is popular <laughs> these days. <laughs> murder mysteries, that's, that seems to be and the big humor. thing. Uh, let's not forget Absolutely. humor. Because, okay, um, William, I wanted to ask you a question. I know you, know, you started out humor. in a certain market and then you branched out. So how difficult is this for you now to get people to read your fiction when you've written so many religious books? How is that happening? It's hard. Well, they're different audiences. Somebody's going yeah. to pick up a novel is less likely to pick up a religious history book. Right. And I deal right. with totally different people on both ends of that. It's also more difficult to get a religious history book published. And part of that is because, of course, there's very competent people in the field, and yeah. they have doctorates. 
I don't have a doctorate in that field. I'm, my my yeah. doctoral work is in American studies. I, yeah. I am an avocation <laughs> with religious history, not a vocation. <laughs> so when they put up there that I have, uh, let's say, an MA, uh, that's actually in communications. It's not in religious history. Yeah. But Barbara Tuckman was a famous historian who never had a degree in history. It's not a requirement that you actually have a degree in the field. What it requires is you devote your time to research and study. If you research and study something for seven years, you're a world expert in it. Yeah. Well, I've been doing yeah. it for, I'm 70, so I've been doing that since yeah. I've been about 62 or 63 years old. I think I'm Man. pretty much have expertise in it. But again, well, experience, experience does count. You know, it I mean, does. And, but getting somebody to look at it from that perspective is not the same because they'll look at the credibility yeah. based on yes, your qualifications, not on what's actually in the text. And also, I yeah. don't deal with religious beliefs. I deal with the origin of ideas and and how right. the religions developed and stuff. Whether yeah. somebody believes it or not is immaterial. Which well, you know, uh, these days things are different. Now we don't know what's true and what's not true, and what <laughs> you know what you know, and who's uh, got the credentials to do things. And I, it's up to. It's very difficult. That's what happens on Amazon when there are books. There's so many books. To put yourself out there is very difficult, and we're all out there, you know. And you just hope you have people wanting to read your books because you are in competition with. A lot of people, but can you stay in the competition? Yes, because if you really love to write, just keep writing. You can, you know, and you just that. I think uh, the more books you write, the better it is. I think because I think you are touching more people, and maybe one book will sell, maybe one other one won't, and maybe they'll read the other one because they liked who the writer was. You know, I, I think you know it's open. It's an open field. It you know, is as long as you're doing multiple genres like we're all doing. Yeah. You reach out to different people in different areas. Yeah. And yeah. so I have murder mysteries, but I also have comedies and I have satires and I have history and and so on. And whatever it is, if somebody likes it, great. If they don't, I'm not going to stop writing anyway because I can't. Right. Right. So I think that so would that be good advice for people? I think that's a good you advice. Have, well, you have to. We have I have a good friend here named Jill. She's written a children's book. She's trying to get it published. She's having trouble, and she's thinking, well, maybe I'll just stop. And the answer is no. You write another one. You just but go ahead. This is what you want to do. Publish. I mean, if it's edited right and illustrations, I mean, she can just get it independently published, and so many independently published people are doing really well. I, the problem is there's a lot of cases, like I have a friend who sent me one of her books. She just finished it. By the way, it's on the Holocaust. But the the woman who was born a baby in a concentration camp is now 120 years old, and it starts off with her having a sex dream. And you're like, well, forget that. This does not. Well, this well, doesn't make sense. There is a no. story in here, and I told her where the story is. Yeah. And I told her what she could yeah. do, and she said, no, I don't want to rewrite it. It's like, okay. Well, right. That's if you don't no want to rewrite, then you can't really write. Right. You have no, to you rewrite. Can't. You have to rewrite. Mark, Mark but Twain you know, you can't. You right. You can't take a, a Holocaust story and do something like that with it because that would be like that's an issue of changing everything. Yeah, well, yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. So but that's like Mark a fiction. Twain says he that's rewrites fiction. 14 times. He he starts yeah. he said he rewrote from the beginning because he's doing longhand 14 yeah. times minimum. Judy Bloom says yeah. she starts at the beginning every time and start and just catches up to where she is and then continues on and so on. And it you really have to rewrite 
Everything I've oh, ever yeah. done has been rewritten multiple times. I, with the computers, you don't know anymore. That's by the way, that's one of the drawbacks with computers. We don't know how the authors achieved the final status they did because we don't see the work as it reached up to because it's all been erased as you went along. That's oh, a different matter yes. altogether. <laughs> yes. Um, well, the, I, I had an issue. I'm trying my I'm trying my best not to make so many copies of things because I'm using one and going <laughs> use this one use this one because I that is what happens I have so many copies of it but right. what I do is similar to what you were saying I write it start writing it and I get to a certain point and then I go back to it because I now know where I am and what mm-hmm. I'm talking about so then I can fill in the blanks that I that I left that I didn't know were blank until I got to the part where I got. And then I realized, no, I have to really let them know, like you're saying, connect the dots kind of, you have mm-hmm. to do that. Right. I work With hard and it takes me a long time because I don't like a story that you don't know what happened to everybody in the book. You know, I like to mm-hmm. have it all well-rounded. It's very hard to do that. And it takes a lot of work. You're right. And Marta, well, I know you Adama's do this too. Like, yeah, well, we all do, but Marnos yes, was, was over 1,000 pages. There's some of them. It's down to 400 there's, now. There's oh, it's 1,000 pages? And, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I just got carried away, and then I went back and said, oh, wait a minute, this is what I'm writing about. <laughs> and I had to get rid of everything that didn't fit in. <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. Well, we can't always say that we don't get carried away because we do. And then as hard as it is to do, you got to go, all right, I'm cutting this because it's not yeah. right for this book. Move on. Whole chapters <laughs> went. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. It, it was yeah. very hard, and I kept them for a while. And then I said, what am I doing? I'm not going to rewrite the book. I'm not going to take, yeah. you know, use this material. Just start just cutting it all out. Yeah. Oh, you said oh, you did. I I have one author on here, and I love what she said. She goes, if I start writing, and I'm right, she's very successful, <laughs> Lee Michaels, and she said, you know what? I take the book, all the pages, and I go in my yard and I burn it. I go, okay, I've never heard anybody do that before. But she, but you know, we all write stuff we don't really like sometimes, and you just go, oh, all yeah. right, it's over, goodbye, <laughs> that's it. Well, let me tell you a story. I, I, I did a book on uh, a fellow who thinks he's James Bond, and he injects himself into the small-town murder mysteries and creates total havoc in the process. And I did one book, and I couldn't figure out how I was going to do a second one in a series because if you think about it, everybody has to say that's not really James Bond. And yeah. that's just repetition. I didn't like that. So I tried something. I didn't like it. I tried another one. I didn't like it. And then I figured out if I put the two of them together – it would work. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I did. I put the two of them together, and I ended up with the second book in the series. Yeah. That's all. Because I mean, I've I added and subtracted out. characters. Right. You know, and, and that happens, you know. I mean, but, you know, you have to be – you try to be honest as a writer about your own mm-hmm. work. Sure. You know. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, or it sometimes – I mean, I am very critical myself, and a lot of – I've had a lot of authors on it are very critical. And when you're critical, to, you can't always be, because sometimes I go – you know what, I, you know, I'm sure we all talk to ourselves. I go, you know what, <laughs> just finish the book and then you'll see, you know. And because, you know, then, you, you know, some of the things, like I know when I wrote my It's Never Too Late for Love with a dog that talks, people, you know, my editor said, I don't know about this. And I go, well, like, I'm sorry, I like this. <laughs> so <laughs> let's leave the dog in. Don't change any of the dialogue at all. You know, which I knew was killing him. And then I went, okay. And then, but that is the part that people like the best is the dog. So, you know, I just, it was something I, that I need this. 
the dog has to sure. talk this way. So, I mean, and, you know, so sometimes if you believe in something or think it's right, you know, by changing it isn't always going to make the story better either. That's the other thing. You know, oh, it's hard. It's a decision we all make. You know, well, Marta, I, let me ask you a question, Marta. Do you ask yeah. people to read your stuff as you're going along, or do you just wait till you're done? Um, sometimes. It depends. Thank oh, you okay. Book, I had people um, read some of it as I was going along because it's literally, it was literally the story of the first year of his life told from his point of view but it was my interpretation of what I saw that was happening. Okay. And try and be yeah. doing this first person and to try and get the the right tone to do first person, a horse. Yeah. And put the pieces pieces together, yeah, sometimes. Other times no. Most of my books um, I don't write really long books. I write mostly novellas. Um, yeah, I like novellas a lot. I, I um, and then I most of my books are novellas. And um, when it's when it's it just I get into the story, it writes itself. And then I go back and I edit and I edit right. and I edit and then I send it to the editor. Then I get it back. Then I edit and edit, edit. Then I send it back to the editor. <laughs> I mean, I, you I know, understand. Do yeah. you, do you, William? Do I you have, have people have read a, your work? I have a friend who is a former newspaper editor, and I send him chapter by chapter. And oh. the last time he said, "I don't want it. I want the full book instead. I'm tired of waiting yeah. to find out what happens." Well, so yeah. that. Yeah, so we do that, but by yeah, I think that that's I, I think that's to. a common thing, right? Because then they, you know, because sometimes let's face it, when we're writing it, like we're on, let's say, chapter three, you know, I mean, you know what you have in mind sometimes, and it's like when the reader they might not get it, and then by the time they're at the fifth chapter, they would have gotten it, at, you know, of what you're trying to do, and so that's why mm-hmm. he, they're probably saying that they want the whole book because they don't want to say I don't like this or that or I like this, but it won't be in there. Because we we all know in, that in a sense, but in his particular case, he got frustrated because it took me so long to finish a chapter, and he wanted to know what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. But you know, you know, I, I didn't want to wait. A, like, he didn't want to wait the month or whatever it took me yeah. to finish because I have other things going on at the same time. So my, my own trust, personal writing is him. secondary to to other stuff. So. I'm not big on beta writers because I you know I I don't do beta writers and uh, beta readers because I just. If I'm not done yet, it won't help me if somebody tells me what they're thinking and I'm not thinking that because I I can't write the story they think I should write. I have to write what's coming from my head. So I'm not a big fan of beta readers, and a lot of people on the show have beta readers, and I think uh, beta readers can confuse the author. They can, but in, oh, at least yeah. in Jan's case, the advantage is he will tell me, this character did this, and I don't think a character like that could do that. And I'll go back and take a look and see if I agree with him or not. But he, he knows how you write, though. But he it. does know how you write by now. Oh, yeah, he's better. He's been exactly, but that's years. what I'm saying. It's just not a person off the street or somebody that says, I'll no, be your no, beta reader. This is someone that knows you and knows what how you write. Yes, I agree. I mean, we all have a style, uh, whether we like it or not, we do. 
you know. Well, I don't um, do one style, though. That's part of the problem. No, I, um, I don't mean style. Then. I don't know what I'm, you know, it's not really style. It's just, you know, you write in a certain way that somebody can tell it's your writing. I would um, think. Most of the time, but, but what I find is, uh, I didn't think it was anything unusual when I did newspaper stories. I would do them in different styles but that were appropriate for what we were doing. Yeah. And they told me that it was extremely unusual. I do the novels the same way. You could pick up two of my novels, like yeah. Nostradamus and the James Bond one, and you will see they look like two different writers. Yeah, um, it's it just, possible. Yeah, probably you're right. You might be right because I, right, I don't write because mine are taken from screenplays I wrote. So oh, okay. uh, my screenplays are different than the story that I'm telling in a book. Right. So you you, you know, and because well. I develop yeah. other things from that. In a screenplay, you're only allowed a certain amount of pages, so you can only do so much. Yeah. Right. You know, exactly. but in a book, you could do whatever. You know, I had clients that would have like you like a thousand pages, and then I'd say, well, you you better think about maybe splitting this up because people are not going to be reading this. And an editor, no. you know, if you're sending to a publisher, they're not reading a thousand pages. It's not happening. No. Now, certainly not now. No, no you definitely. Know, In fact, uh, with the science fiction, she said if you go over 40,000 words per book, it's a three-part. Three uh, yeah. She said if you go over 40,000 yeah. words, we won't be able to sell it. Well, so right, you're right, because this was, a, I'm thinking of somebody that did write sci-fi, so you're right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's you know, that's it's but interesting. But even Asimov you know, and others were writing shorter books than the normal novels. Yeah, I think people like short period. books. I mean, Martin, Martin does like a, you know, she said, and I do. You know, I I like shorter books. You know, because um, if I see a book that's 500 pages, I don't. I I have to be honest. I don't think I want to read it. It's too long. <laughs> it's way too long <laughs> for me. You know, that's why I like audio books. You know, they they do take time though. You know, people don't. You know, there audio books take time to do. And they take time, you know, to listen to. But I find yeah. it oh my God. very entertaining. Yeah. I, I really they love them. Be. I push them a lot because I, I love them. If you have a two-hour reading book, a book that takes two hours to read, it's going to be four and a half hours listening. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah. really, really great if you're, if you're multitasking and doing something else. It's really great if you're... Um, have the time just to sit and, and you like to just to sit and you don't want to watch TV. Or if you're driving, that's really, really great. I love audiobooks for that. But And I think I think more people and more people will start, but there's still you know, actually from what I've heard, people are actually going back to reading paperback again. They're you know, they're not as thrilled about because they're on the phone 24 hours a day. So I think that they want some downtime. So I think that now people are kind of looking for a book to escape again. I hope you know, so. It, yeah, I'm hoping so too. All right. So all right, this has been a really good show, and I I think it's been very interesting to hear different uh, ideas here for writers. This is a good show for writers, actually, <laughs> which is what we you know. That's our audience. But um, so, all right, William, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? I have your blog on the show page, but they can just click it and get to it. But want to tell everybody where they can find you? Well, sure. I, I, obviously, I'm on Amazon and, and Kindle and all the other sites. Uh, uh, Bold Venture, which is a publishing house out of Hialeah, has published a lot of my books, as is uh, Southern Owl. We also had some national ones. Wiley Press um, did one. Sports Publishing did another one. 
um, the widely pressed is the Comparative Religion for Dummies, and that's the second largest series of books published in the world. And I'm also WP Lazarus at blogspot.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm on uh, Twitter and the like. But I don't do as much on those as I used to. I agree with you. We talked about that earlier, Marta. Is the, yeah. or, or Marcia, I guess it was. The, the reality is that it takes too much time. And yeah. I'd rather devote yeah. it to my own novels and things and, and the clients that I'm working for, that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, it's nice to be paid occasionally. <laughs> yeah. The money works. It does work. <laughs> but, you know, you don't go into this profession for money. So no, I didn't go to become a writer to be rich. My mother wanted a doctor, <laughs> a lawyer, a dentist, and a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she got, a, she got a doctor, but he dealt with children. She got a dentist, though. That was good. But the, the the other two, my twin brother and I, are both writers. It was totally yeah. useless. <laughs> now, well, but we all love it. Marta, tell us about when the date of your your show. The, uh, the first one is September twentieth um, at four o'clock, and Eastern. Eastern time. Eastern, yeah. They are going to be the third Friday of every month, and I do hope, William, that you will be on one of my shows. I'd be honored to. I'm going to be away most of September and October. We're, we're traveling. Well, September and October are booked. Great. But after that, I am home until I think in January we're going to Mexico. We uh part of an exchange program there. We're sister cities, and uh, we had a young lady stay with us who was a dancer there. And, by the way, communication through those cell phones is incredible. She would say it in Spanish, and we could answer in English, and it would come to her in Spanish and vice versa. Wow. It was wonderful. Wow, uh, but anyway, great. Uh, she said, and we're going to go down and see her and some of the other folks we met then who came with this troupe of dancers, and they're going to be in, down in Campeche, Mexico in January. So we have that, and we're going to London, and uh, where I'm going to see a relative who's 90 years old. Who well, I've no never wonder met. you can write about all these things. Look where you are <laughs> going all these places. Well, we, we try to, everything I go and do is, is usable because they, they spark ideas. Yeah, That's I all. think you're right about that. And, you know, I want to wish everybody a happy, healthy Labor Day and be careful. You know, I can't believe it's Labor Day, but <laughs> I live in Chicago, and I'm not looking forward to the winter because it's icy no. and cold. Come down so, and join you know, us in Florida. It's warm. Oh, yeah. I haven't been there. So, yeah, I was there once, but not <laughs> for a long time. I know. Martha, I know. you're I just always like to, I don't fly. I don't like to fly that much, but I, I'm realizing if I don't fly, I'm not going anywhere. So I think this is not a good thing. <laughs> Marta, anything else? Any last uh, words, Marta? Thank you, Marcia. All right, and I wish you and luck, you, and it's Bill. been a really fun show, and you're going to be fine. We're all going to listen to your show, so it'll be good. Absolutely. And you're going to be you, on Marta. the show Thank one you, Marcia. Too, right, I do Marcia? appreciate it. Yeah. Did you, you're going to be you on my yeah. show, too? When, you're going to yes, be on my I, show, absolutely. too? <laughs> I, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be on your show. <laughs> yeah. I, I do talk a lot, I know, which you know. We all know that. That's why. That's why it's okay for nine years to do these. But thank you all, and um, William, have good travels, and uh, Marta, good luck, and thank you all for listening. Have a great. Thank day. you, Marcia. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye.